Mike, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> That's a question that I've been asked my whole life. <laughs> Is that a question that Erica asks every day too when she when she has yeah. to wake up to you? When she wakes up, she's like, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> That's cool. Hey, everybody, welcome to Bible and Banter. I keep forgetting that we changed the name because uh, someone convinced Luke and I that, that Bible Banter was indeed irreverent, and we choose not to be irreverent uh, when it comes to the scriptures. So we have changed the name to Bible and Banter, although I think Banter and Bible would be better because we typically banter first, and then we get into the Bible. What do you think, Mike? Tomato, tomato. Tomato. To I thought it was tomato, potato. Tomato, potato. <laughs> All right. Whatever. If you want to one-up me, go for it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mike, uh, thanks, man, for for um, being our co-host again, our special co-host. Uh, I would not want any other co-host um, to fill in for Luke other than you. I just want you to know that, man. I appreciate who you are and what you bring to the table. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll, I'll send the check later. <laughs> well, with that said, I want to open up. So we have uh, our Luke's favorite kind of episode, uh, which is poopery. Um, and... I think it's pronounced potpourri. Poopery is something completely different. Uh, tomato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> I um, I remember one time, like <laughs> a couple of years ago, man, I like went into uh, someone's bathroom, you know, to use the facilities, and I was looking around. You know how like some people keep, you know, spraying their bathroom so that when someone you know uh, goes number two, they can spray it and cover up their their stink. And someone had a brand called Poopery. We have that, and it works. Yeah, so ever since then, I pronounce potpourri poopery because gotcha. <laughs> for some reason, I think it's funny. Mostly because I'm like a 12-year-old boy. I'm on board with that. I think it's hilarious as well. So after all those niceties I just shared with you and how much I appreciate, Mike, appreciate you, Mike, I have to, you know, I want to share with the audience that uh, I just haven't been the same in the last couple of weeks without without Luke. Um Robin says that I'm coming home. I have a little interest in doing things mm. that, um, you know, I just seem more sad than usual. And I mm. think these are the signs of depression. So mm -hmm. I went and I saw, um, I saw a counselor and the counselor mm. told me that it would be best to get my thoughts and feelings down on paper. So, you know what I did, Mike? What did you do, Eric? I wrote a poem. Ooh, a poem? A poem. And uh, I wrote a poem about Luke. Oh, uh, yeah. Like so, fuzzies. so I was I was thinking that we could start off today's show with my poem about Luke. All right, lay it on us. All right. So I call it an ode to Luke. It's not finished yet, so don't judge me too much. But uh, if you're watching the show, I'd encourage you to drop uh, drop your ranking on a one to 10. How good or bad do you think it is? One, um, never do poetry again or 10, uh, submit it for some sort of prize at the end. All right. That's the, that's the scale that we're running with. So here we go. An ode to Luke. You went away on vacation, leaving me alone at our station. You don't check in and you don't say hi before you left. You forgot to say goodbye. 
First we had Chris Date. I realized I might be filled with hate. Then came Mike with whom the audience does like, but I still wonder if you miss our little show. There's no one quite like my friend Luke. He's now gone away and flown the coop, enjoying his time with the family, having a good time without me. Oh, Luke, come back, but not too soon. I'm sure it's a long way back from the moon. Enjoy your time away, but don't get too cray, for soon you will be back near Boone. The end. I need a minute. That's beautiful. Was it beautiful? Did you <laughs> like idea. it? I wonder what. Wow, minus 10 from Brian Atkinson. My <laughs> goodness. <laughs> <laughs> At least my wife gave me a one, which is not poetry ever again. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I think Brian's trying to say that you need to give him money for listening to it. <laughs> I am. Wow. You know what? I, I guess that deserves an apology. I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Brian's a good friend of mine, man. I play hockey with him. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Here I am trying to bear my heart out. Glenn Neal says, pastors should not use the word cray. Other than that, a solid seven. Thanks, Glenn. You know what? Glenn's a bucket filler. I appreciate that. Yeah, well done, Glenn. We need more of you in the church. Uh, Nathaniel says, four. I've heard worse. I'm I'm happy with that. That's, That's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it took me all of about five minutes to put that together. I imagine if I put a little bit more time, maybe it would improve. Maybe I'll come the so we got next week, and then I'll be gone for a week, and Luke will be taking over for that week, that first week in August. So maybe he'll be kind and, and write a poem about me. You know, he's a lot maybe. more artistic. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he writes music, doesn't he? And songs, and his he does. Musical. Maybe he'll write a song for you. Um, that sounds kind of questionable. Not that I, I guess po- po- poetry does too. I guess uh, really isn't isn't songs just poetry with music. music? Yeah. Oh, Palma said she would have been proud of me in her fourth grade class. You know what, Palma? That's the best compliment I've had all day. That. Glenn, you gotta step your uh, your your bucket filling up because Palma, man, that was solid. That makes me happy. Yeah. So we uh we have a full show with uh it being potpourri day or poopery, and the first thing that we are going to talk about is uh, everyone's least favorite church, uh, Bethel Church. Um, Mike, you just want to give a little primer before we get into the video that we're gonna share. All right, so. I, I follow um, some people on Twitter because that's what you do. You're just a bunch of followers. Um, and uh, someone shared this clip from Bethel Church. Uh, again, solving the problem of racism and systemic racism by uh, about five or six individuals standing on stage with a Gandalf staff, a wizard staff. Who's Gandalf? Gandalf. Yeah. Okay, for, for those of us uh, that don't know, Gandalf is the main wizard character in the Hobbit and Lord J- Tolkien book series of Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And there's a point in the book uh, of the first Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, where they are uh, trying to escape the minds of Moria, Moriah, Moria, however you want to pronounce it, 
And at the end, Gandalf sacrifices his uh, life to protect the, the hobbits and the fellowship from the Balrog, fiery Balrog that's chasing them. And he stands at the end of this stone bridge and he takes his staff and he slams it into the bridge and says, you shall not pass a couple times. And, and he falls to his death, sacrificing himself along with the, the Balrog to protect his friends. Uh, One of the best, probably the best part or the most climactic part of the first, uh, the first movie, the first. No movie. doubt. No yeah. doubt. It is um, iconic. If you if you like Lord of the Rings, it is one of the most iconic scenes in the entire series. Correct. Correct. And so we have five or six individuals of Bethel Church standing on a stage, surrounded, surrounding and putting at least one to two hands on this wizard staff, Gandalf's Gandalf. staff. They're, they're quoting Gandalf in this worship service to Jesus Christ. Um, and to to do away with racism and systemic racism, they quote Gandalf with apostolic authority uh, to to end all racism of the present and future. So, yeah, let's watch this, and then we're going to talk a little bit about apostolic authority. Um, and then we're, we're probably... Do you want our videos in this so that people can see our reactions, or should we take our faces out of it? I'll, I'll leave that one up to you. Um. I, uh, let's keep our faces in there and just look for comedic value. <laughs> so, um, so Mike is going to share this video and uh, he's, sh are you sharing it from your phone? Nope. This, no, this is part of the video of the person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, okay. So. All right. We ready? We're ready. With both of his hands on the staff. And he said, I said, and he hits it. And that authority is what we are talking about that can only be released by an apostolic decree. Wait, hold, hold on, hold on. Can you pause it? Given, And that's why I revealed what we heard. She's not talking about no apostolic authority or the authority that comes with being a believer of Jesus Christ. She's talking about Gandalfian authority that's derived from Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Correct. And I think what's even more hilarious is the sign language individual, God bless her heart, um, trying to um, sign language the sound. <laughs> okay, can we start the video over again? I promise I won't interrupt again. I just wanted to make that point. I thought that was incredibly important. <clears throat> With both of his hands on the staff, and he said, I said! <laughs> and that authority is what we are talking about that can only be released by an apostolic decree. The authority must be given, and that's why I revealed what we heard tonight. So, is that clear? So, please stand up with us. If you could stand, because you're standing in authority, because you're all kings and priests, and all of us, we're an apostolic people. So, as an apostolic team, with the authority that God's given to us, we decree and declare that racism will end, it's over, in the ecclesia from this night forward, in Jesus' mighty name. The slip down the finger. <laughs> Hallelujah! Come on, give me a praise over. That's only two. We did it twice. We need one more. One more! We need you to agree with us. <laughs> 
Okay. On the count of three. On three. Shout with us. One, two, three. No, shout out, not us. The name of Jesus Christ. Mike, there's a lot there, man. There's a lot there. I will say, I will give them credit. Because the, 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 the guy that was kind of explaining what they were doing did say ending racism in the ecclesia. So they're yes. at, least, at least they're limiting it to the church, not necessarily yes. globally. Which, l- let's be honest, is a, is a good cause. There, mm-hmm. I think their intent is, is important. I think we should all be working towards uh, ending racism within the church and outside the church as much as we possibly can. Um, I question whether or not Gandalf has the, the authority or the power to do that, but they seem very convinced that he does. You know what, just, what I just thought of in this moment, for those of you who are uh, Office fans, uh, when Michael Scott tries to declare bankruptcy and he walks into the office and yells, I declare bankruptcy. bankruptcy. And Oscar comes in and say, says, you know, Michael, you can't just say or, or yell bankruptcy. And then it happens. And he's like, I didn't say it. I, I declared it. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. So, like, I just, I just don't. Uh, there's so many, and I was actually watching. Do you watch James White at all? At all, James occasionally, occasionally. So I watch him occasionally because uh, one, I do appreciate what he has to say. Although there are times where I disagree with him, I think sometimes he can be a bit uncharitable. But right. he did say this. Uh, I was watching something he said about Bethel. He said, "If you only poke fun at the things that are out there, then you're missing the point. The things that are far more egregious and concerning to the church." Are their theology that is that is really present? The the most most uh, level headed Christians look at the crazy stuff, like the glory clouds coming into the church, the the feather the feathers coming down from the ceiling, um, gold fairy dust or whatever they called it. Um, <laughs> they even have pastors talking about how fun it will be to have farting contests in heaven with angels. Um, those things, most reasonable Christians will go. This is this is foolishness. Like this is ridiculous. Um, so I think, I think anyone who's watching this looks at that video and goes, these people are Looney Tunes. Mm. Right. Like this is, this, this, they Mm. are, it's like Bethel church is the church's version of the office. Right. (laughs) How dare you speak about the office in such (laughs) (laughs) So I, yeah, man, it it grieves me because, and we were talking about this earlier is there's truth peppered dangerously throughout all that they say and do that. If you're not careful, um, you're going to miss the bad, heretical, sincerely dangerous theology. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what White is saying, especially if you get into Bill Johnson, you know, the kind of the founder guy's uh, Christology, Su- super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but but th- just the idea that we can, can claim the same apostolic authority of the apostles in Christ's day, it, it just, 
I, I don't understand the theological and biblical gymnastics they have to take to get there. Yeah. And, and we said this before we came on air, that if you, if you claim to be an apostle and you declare something to be something, if you declare if you declare something to come into being or there to be healing or something to happen and it doesn't come to pass you have just invalidated your claim of being an apostle so right. to have apostolic authority is to be able to do all of these things right. um but there's evidence that every at every turn that they claim something um you know this word of faith movement that more often than not it does not come to pass so, you know, like you were talking about how they had um, someone, I think it was someone on staff, their child died, which is a tragedy, right? We shouldn't make light of these things. Um, but instead of, you know, going through the grieving process and in, in, in seeking to comfort the family with the word of God in the presence of Christ, they decided to minister to this family by trying to pray him back to life and declaring Right. Mm -hmm. Just like just like Michael in the office declaring bankruptcy, mm -hmm. they're declaring that this child will rise again. And eventually they gave up because it was not happening. How right. dam yeah. Like how damaging would that be to, to your faith if that were to happen? Especially, especially new, weaker Christians mm -hmm. that don't totally understand what's going on. Um, and, and so like the big mantra, the, the big statement that they would say is they're taking a book, a page out of John 11, when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like can forget what the little girl's name was, but they're saying, you know, uh, her name and then come out or wake up, you know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and, uh, for, I think it was close to seven days or more that they just held serve, like 24 hour prayer worship service which at the end of the day noble to trust in the resurrecting power of jesus christ you know and trying to be honoring to his words that you will do even greater things than you see me doing you know mm -hmm. i mean i think what they're doing is a is a bit of far misrepresentation of what he's promising there and, and the, the heart is noble but at the end of the day okay you pray for for a bit to like lord take this back bring her back but also knowing your will be done, I don't have any authority to declare for God to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so start the grieving process. Yeah. Hey, Brian, finally something we agree on. Uh, yeah. You can try to raise the dead. Probably won't work. But hey, yeah. you know. Honestly, honestly, if it were that, if it were that easy, why do we have any dead Christians ever? Right. Well, we got to understand that our life is in the hands of God and eternal life is, is in the here and not yet that when we pass from this life and fall asleep in Christ, that we are promised the new heavens and new earth. We are going to inherit the kingdom as co-heirs with our elder brother, Jesus. Right. Um, if your child dies that, I mean, it's a tragedy. It's terrible. I hope that doesn't happen to anyone I hope that doesn't happen to my family, your family, or any like any time a, ch a child dies is it is tragic. But God gives us the ministry of comfort, and we can comfort in the name of Christ and help minister to them um, in in the worst time of their lives. But it's not ministering to them when, when we say, you know what, let's just pray this kid alive. That gives false hope. That extends the grieving process out. It makes it, mm -hmm. and you can really, you know mess up the foundations of their faith because 
Um, you know, we even learned the gospel of John, man. We're about to finish that in my church. And and there's a sense that, you know, <clears throat> faith based on signs is still a valid faith, but it is a faith that isn't quite built on the firmest foundation, which is true belief in Christ as the son of God mm -hmm. um, by hearing and believing. So um, we got to be careful to, to uh, only focus on signs. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So, uh, Nathaniel shares, that's like the time I heard Benny Hinn tell everyone listening to his program to put their dead loved ones in front of the TV, watching his station for 24 hours. And they would be suddenly miraculously raised to life. My goodness. Where, where do I try not to get angry with stuff like this. I try to understand that, you know, we're all broken, sinful. We have our misunderstandings, but where do we get off? <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. Like, who, where, it, it just frustrates me in, in the most sad moments of someone's life. Where does someone get off making a promise like that? As, as if their ministry is so amazing and close to God that you can say, do this and this will happen. Well, you got to have you have you heard of um, cultish the radio or the podcast that comes out of Apologia Church? Um, there's there's somewhat affiliated with uh, with James White. He's actually an elder of their church, but they they have this podcast called Cultish, and they do like maybe it's two, three, or four episodes um, from uh, on Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry or BSSM. Mm -hmm. And they have a woman that came out of that church and actually she came out of it after watching um, there's a uh, movie that's now on Netflix called American gospel, which mm -hmm. I highly encourage you if you haven't already watched it, it, it is uh, it's better. Uh, it pains me to say it, it's better than the office. Pause the office for a moment. Watch this. It's like 90 minutes long. It'll feed your soul. Um, and it really helps extend the gospel, share the gospel to the audience, but also helps you understand some of the, some of the problems that are out there, you know, mm -hmm. in the word of faith movement, particularly right. they talk about BSSM. So mm -hmm. this woman, man, talks in these four episodes on cultish about just the craziness that she witnessed in how it was the word of God, her reading of the scriptures mm -hmm. that brought her out of BSSM and yeah. talks about how she was ostracized when she started asking biblical questions yeah. and, and got kicked out eventually. So yeah. I think we should start calling that Hogwarts. Hogwarts? Yeah. That's a Harry Potter reference if that we're Christians, man. We don't watch uh, the we don't watch those pagan things. Right, but I do. I do want to kind of respond to Brian's question. He says, "Devil's advocate, though, what makes anyone in the early church better than us? What prevents us discerning anything as the apostles did?" I don't think we're talking about better here. We're we're talking not that the apostles were were better than us, but they they were placed with a special gifting, with a special purpose of laying the foundations of the early church, and what would what would lead to the mass um evangelization of the world and the spread of the church and the gospel mm -hmm. and so they had a special authority in that time period especially having seen the resurrected christ themselves themselves to do this ministry mm -hmm. uh, and it, i i find it highly arrogant 
to assume that that authority has been passed down to future generations mm -hmm. when when there's no clear sign that that was God's or Jesus intention in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think we can still have little apostle a, which I would maybe rename that, you know, missionary, you know, church planter, that gift of going and, you know, and sharing the gospel. But I don't know that I would say that we have like early church apostles today with that same authority as if, if I go and touch or walk in the shadow of Bill Johnson, I won't have to wear glasses anymore. Mm hmm. Well, he himself wears glasses. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't trust a faith healer when they wear glasses. <laughs> if they're wearing it for fashion, they're then they're just being vain. Um, that's right. that's <laughs> a whole other reason. <laughs> so you know, there there's a there's a big problem there, um, and we could really talk about the problems with Bethel um, mm. a lot. What I want to point people to is, you know, Paul commends the Bereans, right? When, when the Bereans are presented the gospel and they go back and they look at the scriptures as to what Paul was teaching and say, wow, I see it there. And they were commended for mm -hmm. their study of the word. Um, we should be Bereans. Absolutely. We should be looking at the word, whether it's, it's uh, our teaching on Sunday morning at my church or your church, whether it be Bethel church, uh, our teaching should be measured against the word of God, period. And when you measure, uh, I'm confident that my teaching as well as your teaching when measured against the word of God is um, right and faithful more often than it isn't. And I would say that you cannot say the same thing about Bethel. Um and Bill Johnson. So the th one of the reasons why it's so dangerous, and we kind of talked about it, is that they use this churchy language that it's almost like they, they co-opt terms, but change the definition without telling you. Mm -hmm. And, and they do like their music, their musicianship is top notch. I mean, um, so it gets on the airwaves because it sounds pleasing to the ear. Uh, their music is usually very emotionally driven, but not factually driven. Although they do have some songs that are very powerful and very moving and very biblically accurate. So when you mix all that together, um, you have like a stew of heresy mixed with orthodoxy. And it's hard to tell the difference between the two. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, is there a particular passage on authority and it being passed down or not? Um, well, I, I would say to those who claim to be apostles today, where where do they get that claim from? Uh, from my limited knowledge, I think, well, I mean, you have to, like, I guess it define what do you define authority? I mean, because we have instances of, you know, Paul saying, hey, we you received this gifting when we pray, laid hands on you and prayed for, but I wouldn't say gifting and authority are the same thing. Right. Um, you know, the, the praying and laying out of hands before sending out to ministry. I don't think that that's necessarily bestowing authority necessarily. Um, but I think where they get it from is, is it first Peter? Um, you are a kingdom and a nation of priests, a holy mm -hmm. nation. Um, and I mean, the guy even referenced that in the Gandalf video. Yeah. Um, and so it's by nature of having the Holy Spirit that we are, uh, I think they would say we are apostles. 
maybe maybe it's it's attached to the holy spirit and the second blessing that may or may not come to you mm-hmm. um as as a christian maybe but i don't know of any clear especially clear new testament or old of apostolic authority being passed down mm-hmm. um, i mean that's where we get the pope isn't it allegedly each pope is is descended from peter right um and, well, and again, I also- You know, I think it's important also to note, because some might be waiting for us to talk about continuationism versus um, cessationism. Continuationism is that the the, um, sign gifts particularly um, continue for today, and cessationists believe they have not, that they ended in the first century with the the apostles uh, in that era. Uh, This is not an argument for or against the spiritual gifts today or the sign gifts. Um, I don't know what your view is, Mike. I, I know Luke is is uh, more of a continuationist. It's not an argument over those things. It's an art. Even the continuationists, even the Pente- Pentecostals, um, that uh, that I have issues with on certain things, and it's not the sign gifts. Even the Pente- Pentecostals um, seek to distance themselves from Bethel Church, and yeah. It's it's really it's really awkward when the crazies um, distance themselves from the craziers. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's less of an issue between cessationism and continuationism, and I is, is a continuationist. I, I probably would probably more align, you know, find myself in line with what Luke uh, finds himself. Uh, but it, it's really uh, within the continuationist camp. Mm-hmm. an in-house debate about abuse and it's really an abuse of that theology that view mm-hmm. i would say a, an unhealthy um grab of what the holy spirit has promised to do through us today yeah you know it's almost like um like if you if you want to put it on the political spectrum right so we might see like like if you talk to like ben shapiro he would say not all democrats are leftists right. uh, but, but like the BLM type folks, and I'm not talking about the people who say Black Lives Matter and, and mean it. I'm talking about the actual organization, which we did a podcast. Right. Go to, go to blacklivesmatter.com or blm.com, whatever it is, and you can read it. And as a Christian, you go, oh, my goodness, this is awful. <laughs> um, and, mm-hmm. Anyway, that is far leftism, right? Right. Um, on the on the Republican spectrum, you have the far right, the alt right type of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, they make up a small percentage, but what they try to do is co-opt the rest of the platform. That's what Bethel Church is. Bethel Church is the extremist uh, Pentecostals or extremist um, continuationists that even the continuationists um, and Pentecostals go, yeah, don't lump us in with those guys. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, but a lot of a lot of well-meaning Christians, a lot of good believers who aren't in probably the same spheres that you and I are, where like we're we're on the internet, we are doing research, we're looking at the trends within the faith, and and we study it and go, wow, I'm seeing a contradiction here between this and scripture. A lot of other folks don't see that contradiction because they are they don't delve into those circles. They don't delve into those arguments because it seems like whatever, whatever Bethel's saying, it sounds kind of true. Therefore it must be true. And I trust the radio station that if they're going to put it on, it must be Christian. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I'll be honest, I'm getting real tired. <laughs> I'm having to say, no, I'm here, but I'm not there. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for example, even as Advent Christians, we've had to be like, oh, we're not Seventh Day. You know, oh, we're not Universalists. We don't, we're not going the way of Clark Pinnock, who started as a conditionalist and went into universalism. Universalism. We're not, you know, we're not non-Trinitarian and this, that, and the other thing. We're always having to, you know, you're always having to play these games today of we're not there rather than let's just sit down and find the common ground yeah. and just, and just rather than immediately trying to label exactly where we are. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think qualification of views and, and points that you have is necessary, good and right. But man, you can qualify things to death sometimes. Yeah. Faux show. Um, you want to move into our next topic? Sure. Okay. Did you hear Mike Tyson's making a comeback? <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> That's not our next topic. But I actually meant to bring it up as our soft opener. And, uh, and I just found it on my computer. It's on one of my tabs. I forgot to bring it up. My bad. But yeah, Mike Tyson's making a comeback. Uh, with uh, yeah. Yep. He's getting in the ring with Roy Jones Jr. Wow. Okay. So, so the, okay. I didn't see that development that there's actually. They're going to go eight rounds. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Good for him. Yeah. I'm good. For him. I, I'll watch it on pay-per-view. Yeah. Do you like boxing? Yeah, I, I don't dislike it. I've just never been interested. I'm just not really interested. I'm somewhat interested in watching an MMA fight. Um, like I was actually interested in the Conor McGregor, uh, Floyd Merriweather fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, no. The only thing about like MMA or boxing that I'm aware of today is I read a small article about where the '90s Power Rangers actors are today, uh-huh. and apparently the green Power Ranger is an MMA solid, Christ, devout Christian, apparently, and he's an MMA guy, and he actually had a confrontation and challenged Claude Jean Claude Van Damme to a fight, and even <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fascinating little story. <laughs> but anyway. But, Wait, where did you write this article? The Twitter rabbit hole, I like to call it. You know, you see someone throw something. Do you? So, do you write articles for like some nerdy, like Power Rangers blog or something? No, but I might. Oh, okay. Are you a big Power Rangers fan? No. Oh, okay. All right. Um, not, not out in the open, anyway. Not out in the open. All right. Well, if you, <laughs> which means you're in the closet. Um, hey Brian, I just listen. I just want to fact check you, bud. Um, you said if you're a traditional family values and 1950s thinking and believe in God, you are alt right now. Um, well, if by 1950s you mean pro segregationist and uh, you know and and extremely racist, then then yeah, maybe you maybe you are alt right if that's if that's the case. But um, yeah, you can be pro family values and believe in God and not be uh, racist. I think I think that's fair to say. I feel like that's a reasonable, reasonable statement, reasonable request, even to not be labeled racist because of those things. Yeah, um, yeah I, I actually might agree with uh, Brian on that one because I, you, you, you look at the Black Lives Matter, what we believe, what we're about statement, and it's basically been co-opted by LGBTQ agenda. Yeah. Um, well, it, they, want, they want to destroy the nuclear family. Like that's listed in this 
listed in their in their uh, doctrinal positions in their declaration of principles. I know. But Brian's right. Gay rights is now center is a center right issue. It's no longer a left right issue. It is a center right issue. Um, you want the culture to leave you alone? Buy into the transgender, um, LGBTQ stuff. Yeah, and more and more Christians are. Um, you know, like you look at there was a recent children's author who came out as gay. Uh, you had Jen Hatmaker a couple of years ago, who's very, uh, it's, it's almost like anti-Christian at this point. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, this is also the problem with Christians who identify more with their politics than they do with their savior. Right. You know, and because when you identify with the Republican party above all else and the Republican party shifts to, you know, homosexuality as, as something that's accepted in their platform. Um, then you are going to start changing your mind because your world is shaped by your politics and not by your Bible. Right, exactly. And and so I will say this, though, for those Christians that, you know, those churches that have, you know, kind of the pendulum has swung to full adherence acceptance, I will say I feel their pain because, let's be honest, we as Christians and churches have not responded well to our brothers and sisters who have questioned their gender identity and their homosexual feelings and tendencies. We, we've not tried to sit down and understand what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And so have, you know, immediate church discipline, ew, you're gross, uh, what is wrong with you type of reactions. Yeah. But, but to be pastoral, to be kind, to be gracious, to be nurturing, to shepherd people through that takes time, patience. Um, and stuff like that. And I don't think that we, we've had that. But the response obviously shouldn't be, let's just get rid of biblical standard and teaching and just say to heck with it, God changed his mind. Or the Apostle Paul didn't know about the Human Genome Project. Good grief. It is, it is quite ridiculous. And it is, you know, it's, it's beneficial for us to, to, over time, look at our views and assess them um, on their merit. But our worldview must be shaped by the word of God or else our foundation is just subjective rather than objective. And as Christians, we believe, we believe in a creator who has given us his words that we might live our lives to please him. Uh, And as such, we have objective truth. We have objective right and wrong. Morality is not uh, something that is malleable. It is something that is static. Right. Boom. So anyway, let's get back to that in your next book. That's your next book title. <laughs> What's my next book t- title? <laughs> Everything you just said. <laughs> well, my first book title was really long. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's really hard to search on Amazon. Let me just say. <laughs> so. Um, next we're going to talk about, uh, when should we not submit to the government? Uh, and you brought this up. Um, why, why are we talking about this, Mike? Well, first of all, I'm not sure I have a good answer, but, um, so here in Waterville, we've got a local, local guy, local pastor in, in his church. And he said two things during this pandemic. One was just on their church Facebook page. And the other was a comment to another retired pastor's article opinion piece he shared but the first thing he said was um uh was god is your leader or authority not the governor if your church has forgotten that 
join us on su this coming Sunday or something like that. Okay. Uh, basically saying if you're still, if your church isn't meeting because they're, you know, kowtowing to the governor, then yada, yada, yada. And so, and the next thing he commented was uh, that to, to register your people slash um, submit to attendance totals is bending is bending to ball ball in a real real way, and so you know basically one thing that the CDC asks you to do is you know if you're going out to a restaurant get one person in the party's phone number and name, or be aware of who's in the congregation with phone numbers and addresses so that if someone does get sick they can kind of track things. And I totally understand the big government fears with that. You know, for example, heck, any church that isn't doing attendance on a normal Sunday anyway uh, surprises me. Unless you're like a thousand church person church, and it, that's just difficult to do. But if you're within a certain Wait, number, do you mean like actually checking attendance, like who's there? Yeah. Wait, you have a you have an attendance roster? Sort we we keep track of it. We you know on Monday or Tuesday we go back and say was this person there? We think so, or we have like sign-in sheets for people to update information and everything. We don't do that right now because we don't want to share pens because of COVID. Uh, uh -huh. But we do want to know who was there in case someone does get sick. Not so much to give to the CDC, but more to say, hey, by the way, someone came down with COVID, and we can let the people that were in church that Sunday know that they may want to you know, follow up with their primary care, be aware. It's not, we're not taking attendance to appease the government. We already kind of keep track of who's there on a Sunday anyway, just for shepherding reasons. Like, hey, this person hasn't been here in a while. Maybe we should check in on them okay. uh, type of deal. Um, but but the, the piece, that piece I kind of understood, but the whole, you know, limiting your numbers is, is you know, worshiping Baal, that bugged me. And I'm like, what? How far are we going with that? This whole idea of you know let's let's take this as an attack by the government or you know if you if you submit in this way you're worshiping Baal. Um, that it just rubbed me the wrong way, and I, not that I got offended, but I'm like, who who is this guy? <laughs> uh, apparently, he's the arbiter of of who's worshiping Baal and not. Right. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's a challenge, man. And I think I think this is more a symptom of the deep divisions we have in society. And, and part of it's because we have married ourselves too much to our televisions. So in our in our phones. So whether it's social media or the government or the news, we we're taking these things in and we've essentially lost trust in everything, right? So uh I don't care who you are, right? So and I don't care where you are at the uh, on the political spectrum. Every single news source, I don't care if it's Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, whatever, they all have a particular agenda. Uh, they are less a news source and more a propaganda machine for their personal political beliefs. So a lot of people realize that some don't. Um, so. I, I I am always very skeptical of anything I see on the news from personal experience. Uh, when I was in Afghanistan, there was there were a couple of incidents that happened that got reported on the on national news back in the United States. And I read articles and I was either present or privy to the situation at hand in literally 
they got maybe one aspect of the entire situation correct and everything else was was incorrect so i realized that in most news sources or or most news articles or pieces they're fabricating most things um that's that's my assumption mm-hmm. the government has also lost trust in in the people by uh, misreporting certain things there's there's you know i firmly believe where there's smoke there's fire so when it comes to covid you know people have lost so much trust in the, in the news media and in the government it's hard to really know what truth is mm. so you know you have folks who have lost their trust in these authorities and then say they're just trying to load it over you it's a conspiracy therefore if you obey them you're giving into the prophets of Baal. right right but there's a there, i i would 100 percent agree that our ultimate rule and authority is to god himself and his word his edicts all of that jazz and the government, the human governments that he has also allowed or set up, we need to, to the best of our ability, submit to until they tell us to violate God's orders. Um, I don't find asking you to go online for a period of time uh, to be that big of a burden, uh, to be a specific attack, or to say, hey, let's try to keep people safe and keep gatherings to a certain number or level. It's a burden, but yeah, but they're not like shutting down YouTube and Facebook at the same time saying you can't share the gospel. You can't minister to people. Don't contact people to give them hope in the midst of this pandemic with the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, you need to be preaching CDC statistics and, and everything each Sunday. Stop this Jesus nonsense to encourage your people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, Paul, you know, I look at it, Paul ran from the governing authorities. He didn't some at some points or the his persecutors sometimes so that he could preach another day. He didn't stand and resist in their faces every single time. Hey, get enough out of you. What did you say? He must be what? A Democrat. I'm sorry. That was, hold on. She's stuck. I got to help her. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the things that really needs to help guide us in, in these times is as, as people who have gospel hope as those who are looking towards the soon return of Christ for those of us who, who have, who seek to store treasures up in heaven, we need to realize that, that the time that we have here on earth is short. It is fleeting. But the time that we've been given here is a time that we can give hope to others by preaching the gospel, not by preaching um, our, you know, our problems with the government or be an engaged citizen. That's good. But it's also good to be sober minded. Right. That's that's an aspect of being an elder in the church. But that doesn't mean that not everyone should be sober minded. So Mm -hmm. uh, part of being sober minded is being able to uh, look at something, be very be even keel and assess things based on their merit and not being overly um, uh, skeptical of all things, which is a challenge considering what I just said about us losing confidence in the government and in the media. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so, and so the, the, the question is, when does the church need to resist? And, and my, in all honesty is when they try to shut down our gathering 
and preaching the gospel entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and, and what that looks like, I think, maybe maybe different and, and interesting. But I mean, was you know, for example, in here here in Maine, I believe I don't I think it's either going to be eventually voted on and passed, even though it was shut down and vetoed by LePage. But I think I don't know if it's actually passed, but. They tried to pass a uh, a law, legislation that basically. What in the world? I my, think my wife is letting one of our children play with the keys to our car. Oh my god! Um, but anyway, it's it's all all heck is breaking loose in here. All Gahan is falling apart. But uh, anyway, okay. um, basically, any nurse, teacher psychologist doctor and even clergy they because we fought them on it they weren't they didn't put a clergy exception clause into the legislation cannot counsel a minor against homosexuality or transgender really and so i mean stuff like that has been going on in california uh, but basically a kid or a parent brings in their kid and i and they're like saying hey Tommy, you know, has these feelings or thoughts, you know, thinks he should be a girl, this, that, or the other thing. Um, I, I might be hamstrung to say, to counsel biblically and say, hey, what's going on, dude? Are you this, you know, what's going on? This is what the scriptures teach. And I would say that's a place for civil disobedience, you know, but at the end of the day. The main thing, this, they're doing this in Maine? Yeah. What? I thought you. I thought Maine was supposed to be like somewhat conservative or close or. Until I, I hate to say, it, but until Governor Mills came in, we were we were kind of towing that line pretty safely. But now, you know, it's almost like once, once you get power, let's seize on it and go as radical as possible. Wow, man! So, so, so unfortunately, the. So is there yeah, is there a lot that that that. Uh, that has an exception to clergy or do you say that didn't make it in it was in the original one that was vetoed and they said if you guys fight to have this vetoed the next legislation we put forth will not have the clergy exception clause and so they submitted one without a clergy exception clause and i believe that's the one that was passed or will be passed sometime probably in the near future that's insane mm-hmm. that is literally insane mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, man! My good, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm no sprawl. What is wrong with us? I, this is this is this is asinine. Uh, beyond my ability to comprehend. Um, like I I I'm sympathetic to anyone who has uh, gender dysphoria. I'm sympathetic to anyone who struggles with with homosexual attraction because that must be because culture has really trained us to think that our sexuality is our identity. Like look at the, in the last 10 years, the most popular book was 50 shades of gray, right? Like that, that thing, um, every female I knew at that time had read that book. And like, I tried to like figure out like, what is this thing? Started reading it. And I'm like, this is porn for, for, ladies like this is this is insane um you got like 90 year old women reading porn it is it is uh sickening 
And then you have psychologists coming in and saying, oh, yeah, this is actually like you can track how this guy is grooming this person. Mm -hmm for abuse this is actually problematic psychologists not christians not christian psychologists but actual psychologists well anyway though it's those types of things that in our culture have trained us to think that our identity is closely um closely tied to our sexuality mm. so so i feel bad for anyone who who has those um, inclinations that go against what the word of God has to say, because the culture is telling them to lean into it while the word of God is saying. Mm -hmm. no. Right. And it, and it doesn't help that there are churches or places that call themselves churches that are encouraging the culture to, to give in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's exactly Nathaniel. It's, it's Romans one in action. God is giving us our, our culture over to the full extent of idolatry. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Piper even says the same, a same type of thing that, you know, God doesn't judge us for abortion. Abortion is the judgment handing us over to, to it. Mm, that's terrible. Terrible. Absolutely. As Charles Barkley would say, terrible. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. It says, verse 26, and for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise give up natural relationship relationships with women and you are consumed with passions for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error and yet we and there are christians who say uh paul's not talking about homosexuality here he's talking about uh po polygamous relationships or they'll say that's like pedophilia where it's non-consensual and it's like predatory men with young boys. And I'm like, come on. Pedestry, I, I think. Pedestry dude, pedestry I or something like that. Talk the other day, legit, listen to a TED talk and they had some sort of psychologist saying that we need to legalize pedophilia because it is a um, uh, um, sexual orientation. Right. So, so people. It's so the slope slope wasn't so slippery. Uh, you know, because the day after Maine legalized gay marriage, I, you know, this was back in my more abrasive days on social media. I said, you know, NAMBLA, National Association of Man-Boy Love, is loving this day. And uh, someone um, commented, you know, that, that's just not even an argument. This is just about people being allowed to love who they want to love. You know, love wins, love is love, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the whole idea of love is love is just a non-starter in my mind because that is factually untrue because there we, we can all find examples of things that someone says is love that we would say absolutely not. That is not love. I beat you because I love you. That's, exactly. that's what abusers say to, their, to the ones they abuse. I beat you because I love you. Well, love is love. I mean, who are you to say that that's not really love? This is ridiculousness. This right. is... This is the movie Idiocracy coming to full bloom. Okay, yeah. go go watch Idiocracy. I it's been uh, I, I saw it when it first came out. I can't say whether or not it's appropriate, but I just remember everybody being a true idiot. And here we are in 2020. It didn't take that long. Mm -hmm. Um, dude. So how long do you think it's gonna be? I mean, how long is it gonna be until pedophilia is legalized? 
the psychologists are already saying there are some psychologists. It might be my a minority of psychologists, but it was a minority of psychologists thirty years ago saying that. Only 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, it was a minority of psychologists saying that gender dysphoria was something that um, was acceptable, right? So it was on the DSM spectrum in which it was diagnosed, and the best way to handle it was psychotherapy, right? Yeah. Now they're saying the best way to handle it, it's different for each person, but it can uh, include um, surgery and hormone therapy, even though, <laughs> dude, this is what kills me. This is what kills me because people are dying because they're killing themselves because they, they go and have these surgeries and the hormone replacement therapies thinking that it will bring relief to their grief and, and, and the gender dysphoria that's in them. But instead, it brings nothing but more pain, more suffering that leads to, to suicide. This is insane. But, but Eric, sar sarcasm alert. It's not that they went through with the surgery. It's because the people around them didn't encourage them and support them enough. All I can think of are cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I would say I would say the co national conversation is going to ramp up in the next five years, and I can see it being uh, overly accepted in the next ten to fifteen. If dads across america will resort this is how you get vigilante justice mm -hmm. this this is when you get vigilant we are moving away from the rule of law in this country and um mm -hmm. you know the foundation of our country is imperfect okay um there were a number of open theists and atheists that that were present at the foundation of our country that sometimes we we don't like to um acknowledge but they still had a judeo-christian understanding of the law they still um, had some semblance of understanding even if they rejected god they accepted his law as one that should be applied and um we have since moved away from that in this atheistic humanistic society and now it's uh, right and wrong has become so malleable that we are going to give our children over to pedophiles literally this is not hyperbolic this is literally going to happen well, this is the natural outcome of evolutionistic natural selection thought. Uh, for, because, of, because if it's natural, if you see it in nature, you can't change it. And so therefore, you know, if you can't change it, then it must be okay. And we need to find ways of accepting it, okay? And, and making it okay within certain bounds, you know? So whatever that sounds. And so, you know, I, I've heard that say, well, you, you know, we see homosexuality or we see this or we see that in nature. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know what else we see in nature? We see, you know, father, you know, dad, elephants trying to stomp their children's heads into the ground because of the threat it means to their power and superiority in the in the herd. And I'm like, but well, we would all all say that that's wrong, right? And then I remember, oh wait, abortion. So we don't really say that's wrong because you know a child is a threat to my way of life, and so let's end it before it looks bad by killing them in the womb. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's when we talk about these things that I have I have been been trending towards less polemics and more um, ironic trains of thought and trying to be more um, kinder and gentler. But as we talk about these things, I think 
Yeah, it's easy to get emotional. <laughs> maybe, maybe the answer is more polemics. Maybe the answer is to be more polemical because, you know, you even say to Christians, when you say, listen, abortion is murder, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's, that's kind of making a, that's taking things a little too far. It's legal. How can it really be murder? It's wrong, but let's just not call it murder. That doesn't sound okay. It's hard to tell my neighbor who got an abortion at 14 that she murdered her child. Yeah, it's hard to say, but it's true. And, 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 and murderers can be in the kingdom of God. That's the beauty of the God. There it is. There it is. That's, right. Like, you can have an abortion and come to faith in Christ, but you have to acknowledge your sin, period. Mike, you and I both are people who are sinners, and as and, and Satan is the one who calls us a sinner, but we, like Charles Spurgeon, can say, I take joy in hearing that I'm a sinner because Christ came to save sinners. Yeah, Shane and Shane have this, um, this song called Embracing Accusation, um, and basically it says, it's basically a song about Satan is preaching the gospel, but he's forgotten the refrain. Mm. And so basically Satan accuses you, you're awful, you're a sinner, you're, you're rejected, all this stuff. But then he forgets the refrain that says, but Jesus saves. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing wrong with acknowledging that you and I are a sinner and everybody else are condemned to hell, damnable sinners, but Jesus saves. Mm -hmm. He's a great savior. There is no, no sin that can that Jesus blood has not covered. And so let's call sin, sin, what it is a spade, a spade, but Jesus is, is the trump card. He's the, he's, you know, he's the, he's the, he's the, and I don't need that, was that. Was that a pun? Was, was <laughs> a little bit, but no, Jesus is the answer to all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I, I was a murderer, I was an addict, I was this, I was that, I was a pedophile, or whatever the sin is, Jesus has saved us from that. Yes. And I might have to live with the consequences of my sin till the day I die, you know, but, but I'm, still, I'm still saved, I'm still a child of his, living in light of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, Palma, you know, what, what this means for our children but the, the secular humanistic thought is if you introduce them young enough, it won't be as damaging because it's just the way of life should be. Yes. And, you know, Palma, you know, she's a great contributor to this program by all of her many comments. Um, and, and she was she was in, she was a public school teacher for a very long time. And I, I want to say this because I I can sometimes be critical of the public school system. Uh, we homeschool. I, I think you guys do, too. Right. Nope. Oh, I think we're awful. I thought you were Christians, but, um, you know, I, I joke, but we need more Christians in the schools. We need more Christian teachers, gospel preaching teachers that love the Lord and want to see kids know the Lord as well and their families and their parents. We need that influence. However, we do need to be discerning and careful as parents, whether or not you choose to put your kids in public school or private or homeschool. Because the agenda within the public and, and, you know, a Christian teacher might not necessarily see it or be a part of it, but it is coming through the textbooks. It's coming from from above, because as these things are not only accepted, but advocated, they will they will come for you. 
they will absolutely come for you. There will be a time where you have to sign a statement of faith of, of accepting homosexuality and, and uh, transgenderism and pedophilia and, you know, maybe 15 years from now and saying that this is okay um, in order to teach. You're going to have to do that at some point. I'm predicting it. I hope it doesn't come true. I don't take joy in it. But, dude, th- this is – this is where By that time, homeschooling will be outlawed. It's already so outlawed. it's our, already outlawed in many countries in Europe. Um, you you and I are responsible for the education and the care of our children. Um, we as parents, but particularly as men of the household, as as fathers, and we need to take that responsible responsibility very seriously. So that means we get with our wives and we and we talk about how we're going to plot this course. How are we going to um, get the gospel into our kids. How are we going to train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord? How are we going to teach them arithmetic and reading and all these things? Um, and you have to make that decision for yourselves, but you have to understand where it's coming. You know, wherever you take them for education, understand their worldview, not the, not the specific teacher, but the system. Well said, well said. And, and that's something that we wrestle with every single year. Why do we hate our children? Yeah, well, because the prophets of Baal. Because we, we really enjoy seeing on Facebook everybody making us feel awful for our life decisions. <laughs> I'm um, kidding. I, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't. I... <laughs> do you know how hard it is, Eric? God. But uh, no, honestly, I mean, every year it's a decision that we need to make. Um, you know, when when you know junior high rolls around. We've got some decisions to make because the culture and health and and stuff at the Waterville Junior High is not necessarily as um, as great as it is in the elementary school. So you know we we've made the commitment that every year is going to be a, a, a new year with new evaluation mm-hmm. of what what's the best for our family and for our children. Mm-hmm. And I know you have plenty of friends that do homeschool, right? Like yeah. some of the yes. same friends. In fact, I would I, say I'll tell you, I, most of my friends. You know, outside of the Waterville area, homeschool. Yeah. But I'll tell you, in our church, there's no homeschoolers. Wow. Okay. See, in my church, I want to say probably half the kids are homeschooled, um, it, which is very interesting. Because uh, my last church, maybe we had like, I remember, we probably had like one or two families that homeschooled. So it's, it's definitely increasing. There's a lot in North Carolina. But we all have to make those decisions for our kids and hope we're making the best decisions, do it prayerfully, um, understanding the pitfalls of both, right? So if you homeschool, depending on the age, like if you are, um, you know, like think of it this way, if you're a church, if, if your pastor homeschools, they're probably going to be relying on one income. So are you, are, can you afford that? Right. Um, that That's tough. That's a tough decision. So, yeah. And we do have a, a, a decent Christian school in the area that actually gives pastors 50% off. Um, and so we're always keeping that in the back of our mind and they do, they do what they can with what they're given, Mm -hmm. um, and everything. So, um, uh, they're called temple Academy. You know, they, they, they do a great job in the area. And so we're always, you know, leaning in that, in that direction. Steve, but, um, he's an elder at your church. He says he homeschools their grandkids. Right, right, yeah. I mean, if his family, if his uh, son and daughter-in-law were then to start coming to our church, then we'd have a homeschool family. Well, that sounds kind of like you're helping them now. 
That's true. That's the great tool in the pastor's tool belt. That's right. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think of like my own family, man. Um, homeschool because we only started homeschooling. It wasn't for theological reasons. It was because we knew that this being my first pastor, there's gonna be a lot to learn and there might be a lot of hours at first. So I wanted the flexibility in my schedule to be to see my kids. And um, I'll tell you, I love it. I love the kids love it. Robin loves it. It's uh, it's great. We can pick up and do. We can do school wherever we want, whenever we want, and um, it's great. We we introduced we introduced um, a new class in the curriculum called Fortnite, and we're teaching the kids how <laughs> how to murder people online. It's really fun. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So so, do you do classical conversations? Yeah, so uh, we were doing classical conversations, and then with everything, so classical conversations is is part of a uh, part of a national organization, but they have community day, which is like a co-op every single week, and you got to pay for it. Well, we decided to back out of classical conversations this year, just with all the uncertainty up in the air, and um, part of it was like, man, we might have to go online. Online doesn't really um, do it for us. We tried it this past year when we had to. And then there's so much, man, like that goes into trying to decide the direction of the church when it comes to, uh, when it comes to COVID and how to handle this, that I really didn't need another, <laughs> another place to have those conversations. So it's like a whole nother set of issues that we had to, to go with. So that played a part in our decision. So we just thought it was best to, to not do it you know, to not do classicals this year, which the kids are disappointed, but they'll still get to see some of their friends. So they enjoyed it? Yeah, they loved it, man. Good. Uh, yeah. yeah, they especially loved it when they got to the history portion of John Calvin and the Reformation. Because they... Blood. <laughs> no, they it's not like I read uh, the institutes around the dinner table, but they hear me, whether it's in sermons or in other places, mention John Calvin. Because I quote Calvin more than anyone when it comes to sermons, um, not because I'm a sycophant, but because his work is just so good and, and he's able to sum things up so well. All right, church, our next series will be preaching through Calvin's commentary on the book of Revelation. <laughs> read his commentary. <laughs> It's free on monergism.com, so don't need to buy it. <laughs> Monergism. Uh, I, did I don't know. I tell my church that if uh, if you're sick of hearing about John Calvin, buy me some more commentaries because I have his whole set. <laughs> you, should, you should break down what everybody's Patreon sub, su, subscription goes towards. Like $5 goes towards... Streamyard five dollars goes towards Eric's uh, commentaries and Luke's, you know, musical equipment, you know, stuff like that. Goes by go, no more money should go to buying Luke more books. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, Robin corrected me. We're still doing CC curriculum. Um, Thank you, Robin, for keeping him honest. Yeah, yeah. See, so you're. Okay, I see what's happening. You're pretending to know more than what's more about what's going on than you actually do. Big picture guy. My wife is my wife is the one that makes things happen. So uh, we tell the kids that she's the teacher and I'm the principal. Uh, 
and and then they they say why is the principal kissing mommy it makes for really good conversations around other people's dinner tables uh you want so in north carolina you have to you have to actually create your own homeschool with a name and everything um so you want to know the name of our really okay yeah you want to know the name of the school yes yes i do hogwarts no it's not yeah yeah that's what's going to go on their high school yeah yeah um i'm just kidding it's not hogwarts (laughs) I, mean, I felt stupid throwing down a, a, a Hogwarts reference earlier. <laughs> so um, I had looked up like when we first started kicking around the, you know, when we first got here, we knew that we had to apply and, and establish a homeschool school right here in North Carolina. And people were saying, listen, once you establish this school, you cannot change the name. So if you do something stupid, this will be on your kid's high school certificate forever, their their diploma. So people are – because there, there's times where people, like, use terms like they'll say Harvard. <laughs> so they have a high school diploma that says Harvard. And then you apply somewhere, and they're like, what the heck is this, right? So we went with – are you ready for it? Reformed Christian Academy. Nice. Boom. Boom. It sounds it sounds uh intelligent, it's pointed, it tells you exactly where we're coming from. Uh hopefully it'll help him get into Harvard someday. If we if we ever move down there, um we would probably do Trump Academy. Trump Academy Trump that, University. Trump University. I uh I've heard there I, I I don't know about their better bureau business portfolio, but I don't think it's great. Doesn't matter. They've been sued many times. It's okay. Mm. It's okay. That sounds like a whole other podcast. We're, we're going to redeem the name. I'm going to take it back. We're going to give it meaning. <laughs> hey, I I have a real question before we before we close up. Last week or last Tuesday, you mentioned um, taking it back. <laughs> was taking that a, was that a reference to a to a popular movie from the early two thousands? It probably was, but sometimes my my brain adopts things, and I forget where it's adopted from. Okay, I'll have to ask you after. At okay. There, because if you saw this movie, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> I can I can at least uh, I can at least say I wasn't a Christian when I saw it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, get in. What's By the way, did you get any uh, any messages about what the the gas can on the field reference was? I, I got one question and had to share with somebody. Say that again. Huh? Remember on Tuesday we talked about like cultural references and what the gas holders on the battlefield what they were what oh. they were called. Yeah, no one asked me. No one asked me. They're better. They're they're, they're better off. <laughs> Who asked you? Uh, a uh, a uh, young adult in our church, uh, my 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 wife's best friend. Your wife's best friend. Oh my goodness! Did so? How did you handle that situation? I I shared the truth, but I used lots of asterisks. <laughs> I don't know how I would have done it, man. 
Um, my, it, it was on. A, it was in a group text with my wife. Okay, FYI. that's good. That, I, well, I was gonna say I might tell my wife to tell her. Right. I'm assuming it's a her. Right. Or she's that, a her. That would have been a better idea, but there was accountability with it. That's good. Um, do you know who Amy Bird is? Like the author Amy Bird? Yeah. Yes. She apparently, I want to read this book because she's been under a lot of heat lately. Yeah, she has. Yeah, which is really uh, disheartening. Although I did some reviews about her book and there's some terminology that she uses I think is unhelpful. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. uh, um, She wrote a book that people are claiming that she's telling men and women that they can have monogamous um, relation, like friendship relationships, but deeper than just a, I don't know. I need to read the book because I was non intimate like unions almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the criticisms are like she's telling men and women to go have coffee together, like married men and women to have coffee with men and women that aren't their spouses. And I just question the, the, I don't think that's wise, but there's some, um, there's some wisdom and danger in that. Yeah. 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 So anyway. Before we get, before people start calling us misogynists and patriarch, patriarchists, yeah, whatever. Hey, I'm impressed that you uh, let your wife watch this during school hours. Oh wait, it's summer. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she's one of our most reliable viewers. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually watching on 12 different computers so, and, <laughs> so, to get viewership up. <laughs> um, dude, so I... <laughs> this is so crazy, man. I keep typing in here the wrong number of the question that we're going to be doing. So we're going to be doing question number nine from the Blessed Hope Catechism. Now, I'm not going to let it play because I expect as an author of this catechism that you just know all the answers. And if you don't know the answer, then we there's you can't see it, but there's a bucket of slime above you that I had um, talked to Erica uh, to put above your laptop in which you'd be on. And so if you get it wrong, what's that? You got school's done by 12, so we're safe. <laughs> um this is actually true by the way um the whole school thing so if you get this wrong there's gonna be a bucket of slime that comes down all right can you give me a minute to ramp myself up okay we're calling this slime time slime time (laughs) it's an homage to the mid-90s uh game show double bear yeah oh uh are you ready? All right. Question nine, is that what you said? 29. What? 29. 29. Yeah. Are you ready, Mike? Why I'm ready. Did, why did God create the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It sounds well, like a chord. Mike, 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 Mike. Why did God create tree of knowledge good and evil i believe it was a test a test of what what was he testing to test to test adam and eve's obedience boom no slime time for you mike see i have to be honest i cheated 
I did not cheat on the, it was a test. I knew the answer was test, but I couldn't remember the full statement. And so I went to my, uh, my original uh, catechism document that I have. <laughs> I'm a cheater. Jerk face, man. Oh. But I, did, I, did, I did get test on my own, FYI. Well, I also started scrolling as I knew you were going to. I started. I well, well, I didn't see it because I was looking up my PDF, my <laughs> my Word document. I so. your eyes moving. I could tell. You cheater. Genesis two seventeen says, Genesis two seventeen. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Dun dun dun. dun. All right, man. That, that's serious. That's very serious. But just remember, dying is just separation. It's not cessation of life. That sounds, but you sound like Al Mohler. <laughs> oh, goodness. Mike, it was, it was a pleasure today. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah. And my wife just texted me. Are you looking up the answer? <laughs> <laughs> so um everybody it was great to have you today it was great to have mike on the show again thank you so much mike you, you are far more insightful than luke although um although i do miss him i miss him luke if you're out there somewhere we miss you we we do miss you luke i am i cannot hold a candle to to you why not? Why can't you can't hold candles? Is there something wrong with your arms? Uh, weak fingers, you know, skin. They don't make men quite like they I'm used to. Afraid of burning wax, dropping oh. on them in pain. All right. Well, everybody, have a good day. We will see you next Tuesday. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. That is the least heterosexual thing I've heard in a long time.